0: preparing a lesson that's totally different i was in matthew 12 and uh talking about the lord of the sabbath and uh she came and said i don't understand the rest of that i'm like what what do you mean you don't understand the rest of it she said lord lord many will say to me and didn't i do all of these great things and then it says i never knew you how can that be so, I said, let me take a deep look at this, and instead of a superficial reading. And hence to say, that's why we're here in Matthew 7 this morning. Because I think that it's such an important scripture and one that is something that can cause fright and can cause confusion that we need to delve into it and rightly divide this. And actually, I had saw a thing a couple weeks ago that, uh, I don't see Rick in here, that had popped up on uh, his thing through the uh, Facebook stuff that said one year ago today he had actually written this passage and how it, it frightened him. And so I hope that he will be able to, since he's with the kids in the back, that he'll be able to listen to it. But if you're there with me at Matthew 7, let's start in verse 6 in reading this because it's a, it's a great passage. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks will find. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened to them. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would you give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything you do, do it to others what you would have them to do to you. For this sums up all of the law and the prophets. Enter in through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many that enter in through it. But small is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life, and only a few there is that find it. Watch out for the false prophets. They come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruits, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, and thrown into the fire thus by their fruit you will recognize them and not everyone who says unto me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven and many will say unto me on that day lord lord did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles. And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Wow, holy cow, there's a lot to cover there, isn't there? Hope nobody set a timer on the oven or anything, because it might burn up today. We got a lot to cover. Now, speaking of holy, let's go back up to verse 6 as we start to take a look at this. It's really kind of like in a couple of sections here as we go through it. But in verse 6, it says, do not give to dogs that which is sacred or holy, and do not throw your pearls to pigs. Now, what's that all about? What is not giving something holy to dogs and pearls to pigs? Why is that all of a sudden injected into here? Well, Jesus started out, and we looked at last week in Matthew chapter 7 as we started this, that he was talking about judge not that you be not judged, and we studied those principles of why that you don't. This is kind of a connection to the end of it. This is kind of a soul winning type thing. He says that first of all we are not good at judging others. So that's one reason why we don't do it. And secondly he said you guys do the same things. You who judges another person. So when you take a look at that then you're not supposed to do that with an unbeliever. There are things that we don't do. But our tendency is to be like the Pharisees were to continually hound and to think about that and to make ourselves feel better because we can try to make somebody else. I had a friend who said, if you cut them off at the knees, then you stand taller than they do. And that was the way the Pharisees worked. They would like to cut people off at the knees so that they felt like that they were taller than the other. So in this background, Jesus interjects this subject for examining ourselves and not your brother. And then he says, this is on soul winning. He says, don't take that which is holy and give it to the dogs and don't cast pearls before the pigs. And you think, well, how does that work with soul winning? Well, to the Jews, there were two kinds of people, us, the Jews, and then Gentiles. So that was the only two types. That is the dogs and the pigs as we go through here as unbelievers now the unbeliever dogs are the gentiles and it says do not give them that which is holy they're referred to dogs in psalms chapter 22 mark 7 and verse 27 and in revelation 22 15 so if you look at mark 7 there for a moment it says the syrophoenician woman who was there in verse 26 it says that she is a greek she is a gentile She came to Jesus and she begged for him to drive this demon out of her daughter. Jesus said, no, first I must give what I have to the children. I must let them have all that they can eat. For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to who? The dogs. And she replies in verse 28, Lord, even the dogs who wait under the table eat of the children's crumbs. You remember that? So dogs here is referring to it was a slang term for the Gentile people and the Lord said to her for such a reply as this such faith that you have you can go the demon has left your daughter dogs were the common term and then the Jewish unbelievers were called pigs because pigs to them was an unclean animal and to a Jew to a fellow Jew who would not believe that's what they considered them as, as an unclean animal. As a matter of fact, in Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 22, it covers both of those slang terms in one verse for us there when Peter said, of them the proverb is true. A dog returns to its vomit and a sow is washed, returns to her wallowing in the mud. So in other words, you have given them the gospel, they have turned away from it, and therefore it is like the unbelieving dog who returns to its vomit to the way of life that it had and the same thing for the unbelieving jew they go back wallowing in the mud and in the dirt and in the mire so it's an allegory here for unbelievers and jesus said we are not to give them that which is holy or that which are the pearls or the treasures they don't need to know that yet let me tell you why The issue is Jesus Christ and him crucified. The issue is believing on the son of God. Not all of the other things at first. That will come later. We were talking on Wednesday nights in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 about a man who had his father's wife. Let's say that that was unbelievers and you went to him and you hounded that person on that they agreed and they separate they're still what lost because they're unbelievers the issue is first save the soul don't cast your doctrines out to them don't cast that which is holy first of all let them know about jesus christ and him crucified same thing with the pearls before the swine it says if you do this that they will either trample it underfoot Or they will turn and rend you. And the word there is to lacerate. They will cut. They will bite. They will tear you in two and apart. And all you have to do today to get a glimpse of that is turn on the news. And you see the riots that are starting to go on. And the way the word of God and principles of morality are bashed by those who are unbelievers. The first thing. They will not accept the word. First thing of doctrines they need Jesus Christ and him crucified we don't want them to continue to be lost in that make Christ the issue when you talk to them so that they can then grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior then the next section begins in verse 7 through 12 it's the ask the seek and the knocking and Jesus is giving us here the techniques the mechanics of how to put faith bible study and prayer into action to get answers for for your life and answers that you need he says in verse seven if you look at that ask and it will be given now ask is a present tense that means keep on praying keep on talking to god do it continually and then it will be given as a logical progression of thought ask and it's given it's a gift that's grace it's something that's given It absolutely says here then that god answers prayer then he says it's a dative of advantage in the original language and that means that when you ask things to god it'll be for your advantage and especially the answers that come about god will answer in a way that is for your advantage not against you so that is a very cool thing to know Because there's a lot of times we wonder why that didn't get answered. Well, because God, who is all-knowing, knows everything. And he knows what is for your advantage. And that's why he does that. Sometimes his answer is yes. Sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's yes, but it's in my timing. If you remember way back around Christmas, we talked about John the Baptist and his mother and father prayed for a child the prayer was not answered for around 40 some years they had prayed when they came together and throughout all their life until they were past childbearing years before that prayer it said was answered because it was for their advantage and it was for god's advantage to wait till the right time when it was time for christ to come so there's three different ways that prayer can be answered but it says that he does answer it and then in verse 7 seek so that you will find this is talking about bible knowledge it's about getting the word of god into you and your soul and who you are it says to keep on searching until you find it is what the phrase here means a lot of folks will mosey along through life not knowing our lord like we do And what is their modus of operation whenever they get into a jam? It's like God is a genie. I'm going to rub on the lamp, hope that he appears and grants me the three wishes that I want. But here as Jesus is laying out the principle and the techniques of prayer, he says you've got to ask, but you also have to seek. And this word for seek is also an action one. You've got to do it, and it carries with it the portion of desire. You've got to desire it. You seek my word. You desire it. Jesus has said that man shall not live by bread alone, but what? Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So when you desire that, when it's like honey upon your tongue, and it's sweet, and you desire it, you build that knowledge base, then you have a foundation for proper prayers. You know what you should and should not pray for. And that propels the asking. And when it does, it goes into the next phase. You know, to seek, in Acts chapter 17 and verse 11, Paul was there, and Luke, as he writes it, says that the Bereans were more noble than those who were in Thessalonica. And why was that? Because it says that with eagerness they received the word and then studied every day to make sure what was being taught was the truth they desired it earnestly so it made them uh, more proper in what they were doing it's important to us to seek and to find and to determine what principles we can pray about and then he says knock and the door will be open that's resting in faith when you have that knowledge when you have desired the word and you've built it up and you know that you're praying on principle ground then you can knock on the door of God when you ask, and it's going to be open. That's resting in faith. And that word there, I forgot to bring my walking stick today because I've got a special walking stick that I've had for about 15 years that I carved with a mushroom top for that season. that's about ready to come up. And that's what these folks walked around with was their sticks and their canes and like a shepherd would have too. But folks would use those as they went around. And the word here for knocking on the door in prayer is the word for taking a stick and banging hard on the door. Why? To get their attention, to get God's attention. Because when you are on a firm foundation of Bible doctrine and you are asking in faith of a proper thing, it says that that is a loud knocking on the door of the throne room of heaven and God is going to open the door that that prayer is using to knock upon it. Verse 8, Indeed, everyone who asks in this type of a way and follows these mechanics receives. The word there is aggressively. It means to snatch up. It's aggressively given. You snatch a hold of it. The one who seeks, the one who is diligently desired finds after they've searched. The one knocking, loud with a stick on the door of God then it says that door is open and all of these are active they are they are part of your desire and your volition of what you want to do and the beauty of this is it's in the indicative mood and i know we're going to get this as we go along don't try to think that you got to memorize all of these greek things that i throw out i only throw a few out so that you will really know the promises of the word of god because every verb that's in the word of god has up to six things characteristics built into that word like if we use a sentence with the boy is running well that word for running you already know if you said the boy was running that's past tense and running is a form of what he was doing not walking it describes everything that's going on so that's what these actions on it does and in an indicative mood that's the thing that points to reality truth fact it's a promise so when it says that when you ask and seek and knock like this it's indicative it's a reality that god opens the door it's a promise that you can stand on when you go to him in prayer lord i have done everything that you've said through this i am knocking at your door please hear it and know then that it says it will be opened it may be one of three types of answers but your door was opened that you knocked upon it's a promise and then jesus gives to us an illustration here after that on this ask seek and knock technique he says in verse nine Which of you, if your son asked for bread, would you give him a stone? You wouldn't do that, would you? This takes in the principle that we saw in uh, chapter 6 with prayer, doesn't it? When we pray to God as our father, that relationship that you have as being in Christ, God is now our father. You have a relationship as a believer with him. So you who are fathers and mothers out here now already know that if your little one asks you for bread you're not going to give him a stone then he says in verse 10 if he asks for a fish are you going to give him a snake or a serpent no you wouldn't do that so then with that principle in mind god is your father if you have come to him on the principles of ask seek and knock how much more if you who are and that's being evil is a comparison in God's sight not that we are that but just intrinsically we are different from God he is so much better than us that if we know how to give good gifts to our children what about God trust in him that he knows how to give then the good gifts to you when you go to him in prayer like that asking in prayer you know the the fish and the bread bread sustains life so he's going to give you everything that sustains life and then the, the serpent or the snake, he's going to protect you from evil. He's going to protect you and give you what you need to sustain you in this life then through those prayers. Next, we get to what a lot of folks call the golden rule. In verse 12, it says, In everything, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. So Jesus is now wrapping up this first section of chapter 7 with that. Do unto others as you would desire that they've done to you. So what that relates to is the things studied up to now. Don't judge other people because you wouldn't want them doing that to you in the same way. Don't cast them the doctrine while they're still unbelievers. Why? Because I ask you, at the point before you became a Christian... Did you appreciate people that you thought were just righteous Bible thumpers coming to you and condemning you without giving you the gospel? No. So that's what the principle was. Do unto them as you would have preferred been done to you. Share with them the gospel first so that they understand that. So he's talking about this golden rule of treating them like you would want to be treated throughout this whole passage and give them the, the way to become a Christian. And then he says, I'm going to show you what that is now in verse 13. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many there be that enter in through it. Christ is the gate that is mentioned here. Entering in is believing in him in faith as the son of God and as your savior. When you hear the gospel message and you're motivated through that to believe then you enter in through that narrow gate and don't worry about that word narrow there everyone will fit in everyone who believes what the word stenos there actually implies is a strictly defined path that god has ordained travel upon to gain his approval that's all that that means so you are walking in or entering the way that god has designated for you to do This path is Jesus Christ. He explains it himself in John chapter 10. The parable of the good shepherd. And what did he say in verse 7 there? Verily, truly, I tell you, I am the gate of the sheep. Whoever enters in through me will be saved. Acts 4 and verse 12 says it like this. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no uh, no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we might be saved. John 3:36 wraps it up. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. There's the two roads that he's talking about, the wide and the narrow, the strictly defined path that goes to God and the wide way that will lead to destruction is all based upon the belief in jesus christ as the son of god god poured out our sins upon his son upon that cross that he who knew no sin might be made sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of god through him enter in that narrow gate then is what jesus is saying wide is the gate broad is the way that leads to destruction verse 14 amplifies the thought if you're looking there and still following along Small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few there be that find it. 1 John 5, 11 and 12 says, This is the testimony, so here it is. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. There's your road. Verse 15, watch out. For false prophets, they will come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they are ferocious wolves. And by their fruits, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? Or do you gather figs from a thistle or a cactus? No. So Jesus is saying, know this scripture. You can only identify wolves in sheep's clothing if you know how to identify a wolf and what they're saying or they will come in among you among the believers among the church and they will try to teach things to lead you astray you have to know it and recognize it to be able to spot it and you will spot it by the fruits that they bear now in verses 17 to 19 he says every good tree bears good fruit and every bad tree bears bad fruit a good tree can't bear bad and a bad tree cannot bear good but what happens to every bad tree it says that it is cut down and thrown into the fire and thus the fruits are made known the word used all through here for good is for something that has intrinsic value and i'll give you an example gold from all the way back through biblical times to now gold has an intrinsic value you can look it up today it's like 1200 and some dollars per ounce today for gold that is the going market gold has intrinsic value it always carries some kind of wealth to people but if i would go out and buy say i bought 50,000 dollars worth of gold back in 2003 when it was 300 dollars an ounce i've made four times my money from then to now gold may go back down to 300 so i'm not advising you to go buy gold i'm just talking about the intrinsic value that it carries but if I would have bought that same car for $50,000 back in 2004, like I have, I didn't buy it new, somebody did. That car listed for about $56,000. Thirteen years later, well, no, only 11 years later, I gave $6,000 for it. So that car lost forty four thousand dollars in that same time period because it does not have intrinsic value so here he's talking about trees that have intrinsic value and that is through christ because christ is the only thing that has intrinsic value built in for us in christ we have all of these things and so the good trees are those who are in christ the bad trees are those who are outside of christ then and they don't have the intrinsic value and the fruits that they bear he said in in john 15 that i am the vine and you are the branches and those of you who are in me bear good fruit if not you get pruned and trimmed it's cut down bad trees it says here are cut down and cast into the lake of fire revelation 20 and verse 12 through 15 says for unbelievers by their fruits you know them Then we get to our sticky passage in verse 21, if you've still got it opened up there. That sticky one, it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And this passage is one that can cause some confusion, cause concern. And I'll grant you at first glance, it does. It's had me worried before but I I dug into it and here's what it says because it got my attention. Not everyone who says Lord, Lord gets to enter the kingdom. If that's the case, how am I going to know? How am I personally going to rest assured and be known? Because I know that 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13 tells me, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So if the scripture tells me I may know, then I've got to know something about this passage that's causing me concern. No man can say that Jesus is Lord unless the Spirit is with him. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 3. So let's clear it up. Look at the context of what the Lord, Lord statement is in in your Bible. Go up two verses to 19 with me. It says that they are getting what? Cut down and cast into the fire. Now look at verse 22, the other side of it. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in thy name? Did we not in your name drive out demons and in your name perform miracles? Many will say to me, when? What does it say there? On that day. We're talking about judgment day. The trees have been cut down, cast into the fire. Many will say unto me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we do that? Well, what's been going on during this judgment time on that day? Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Therefore, God has exalted him, Jesus Christ, to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is what? Lord to the glory of the father on that day these folks have just bowed a knee they have confessed with their tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord but if you do it on that day it's too late many will say to me on that day Lord Lord and didn't I do these things he says I never knew you Why?" Because while you had the opportunity, you did not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And now it's too late. And I'm going to grant you, you will acknowledge Jesus as Lord. If it's not in this life, it will be in the next one for sure. And that's what's going on in this passage. Look at verse 21 again only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven enters in what's the will of the father verse 13 he started out our passage with it enter in to the narrow gate believe in jesus christ as the son of god enter in through that gate how about first john chapter 3 and verse 23 for what the will of the father is and this is his command To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. God's will for the unbeliever, believe. His will for us who believe, love one another as you go forward in life as I have commanded you. That is the will of God for our life. Jesus said, only they that have done the will of my father get to enter in. Verse 22, back in our Matthew 7, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in your name and drive out the demons and do many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Many will say, that can be anyone from just plain evil unbelievers to those who were like the Pharisees who proclaimed some sort of religion but never did know Christ truly all the way from all those they can be wolves in sheep clothing there are going to be those who will try to keep you from this knowledge of what it was and it says but wait how did they then perform the miracles and how did they prophesy and how did they cast out demons and do these things because satan empowers those who follow him and who are bent on trying to lead you astray from christ they also have abilities To try to be able to convince you not to follow the proper and right way. 2nd Corinthians chapter 11 verse 13 and 15. I'm going to give you a couple examples of this. For such are false apostles. They are deceitful workers. They are able to transform themselves into apostles of Christ. And no marvel. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore... It is no great thing if his ministers also are transformed as the ministers of righteousness. But what? Their end shall be according to their works. Or how about 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 9 through 12. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. With all power and signs and lying wonders. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved see how you can be deceived do you see how that he also empowers false ministers to try to keep you from the truth because the battle is between angelic beings between light and dark and each side is wanting your soul and the battle rages on first timothy tells us to be warned then in chapter 4 verses 1 and 2 he says the spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith they will give heed to the seducing spirits and doctrines of demons and they will speak lies and all hypocrisies having their consciences seared with a hot iron so what do we do that's why he started out from the beginning. Know the truth. Don't you know? Ask, seek, desire it. Be knowledgeable so that you know the right path. As our worship team comes on up and makes their way to the front. We've got to do that to be able to recognize it. Isn't that what Jesus said? To recognize the wolves in sheep's clothing, you have to know the Word of God, to know what the fruits of that is. Because they will give you those lying words dripping with honey that will lead you in distress. I point out to you Judas Iscariot who walked with our Lord for three years. For three years he walked with him. And in Matthew chapter 10 he was among the 12 that were named as having the powers to go out and to cast out demons. To do miracles and to heal folks. And yet he was never a believer we know that Satan was with him and entered into him as he gave up our Lord and Savior that night and to those who came to crucify him. Because the word of God is alive and powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it pierces to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow and it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart and it knows your thoughts and your intents and it knows whether you are following the right Or whether you are falling wrong. Even if everyone else does not know. His heart was filled. And he gave up and betrayed Jesus. To those who will not enter into that narrow gate. He says I never knew you. So when this passage is rightly divided. We have no fear. Because we know that when we rightly divide this passage. That he's talking about those who have never believed in the name of christ the son of god when he says many will depart from me and i never knew you when they said that so that's the thing will you believe that jesus christ is the son of god that's your first step if you're here today i just had a dear man tell me two days ago son You preach the word with expediency. That there is another side. And you're not granted tomorrow. And you let them know to make that decision today. Preach it with expediency. That's what I intend to do. Let's pray. Father, thank you. For your holy and divine word that we may look into thank you for the comfort of giving us the directions on how to enter in i pray that if there is anyone here today that has not entered in that narrow gate if they have not believed in your son i pray that the anointing of your word that has went out today scripture by scripture has fell upon listening ears and good soil father and that it will sprout out to belief And if If that is you today, I pray that you will come and make that known. If you don't understand how, I will tell you. Just come on up and ask me. And for those of us who are believers, Father, help us as it says in that command. Your will was to love one another. And may we continue to do that as well, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.